Hey there, baseball fans. This is Brandon Hall, the North Carolina Director of Scouting, back here with another prep baseball report of North Carolina podcast. A little different than what we've done in the past is we're missing Matt Payne. Uh, I, I know you guys may have seen, but we're, we're excited for Matt. He's taking a job with the Detroit Tigers, um, but he's he's left me. And so trying to fill that void, and we've done it in a, a big way. We've hired two assistant directors of scouting here in North Carolina, and joining me today Patrick Johnson. Patrick's to be here on the west western side of the state. Uh, it's kind of his emphasis, uh, but you guys are going to see him everywhere. So, Patrick, welcome aboard. How you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks. Thanks for having me, and uh, excited to be with PBR. Um, just ready to get into all of it. Yeah, it's it's, and I, I guess one of the big changes you and I both have got to get used to is we, we're going through a little bit of a rebranding right now. So the logo, you know, it's on the chest. The logo that's on the hat. Those logos are gone. We're introducing new logos that are really clean, really fresh. I know that the, there's been some excitement about it. <clears throat> and it also is a company kind of reverting back to just prep baseball. And the reason for that is we're much more than just a reporting company. You know, it's, it's scouting, it's tournaments, um, it's events, it's, you know, you name it, we kind of do it within the realm. So it's prep baseball. And then we have prep baseball tournaments, prep baseball events, prep baseball scouting, prep baseball junior college coach. So that that's going to be tough to kind of get used to, too, because PBR just kind of rolls off the tongue. Um, and I know you've been outside looking in for a long time. You probably, you know, still have that in your in your repertoire. I'm going to have to break that from you as, as we're breaking mine as well. Definitely. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about you and, and how we got you on board here in North Carolina and um obviously you know I, I think born and raised in north carolina is that right correct yeah i was uh born and raised in hickory went to st stephen's high school uh played there for four years on varsity and then uh, moved on to chapel hill um it's where i always wanted to play so it was nice for me to get to go there uh went at a good time we went to the world series three out of my four years there and uh i actually i got to throw the first pitch in the the new stadium uh, when they switched the TD Ameritrade. So did yeah. you really, I didn't know that yeah, That was me versus Sonny Gray. When we played Vanderbilt. So we were the first game and we were the home team. So I threw the first pitch. That yeah, was, you gotta have a picture of that somewhere around, right? It's hanging up. My mom had it framed. And when you walk into my, uh, baseball facility, it's hanging right when you walk in. Yeah. That's a, that's pretty cool. That's, yeah, it was cool. A- it was, uh, they, they hyped it up and everything. And they had talked to all of us about, you know, what to do on the first pitch and, and everything like that. And, you know, obviously they wanted Old the ball. Swing. Well, yeah. So I talked, I was Tony Kempis who I faced and I kind of joked with him before the game, like, dude, you're going to swing or not. And he was like, no, I'm not gonna <laughs> swing. well, of course he swings. And, you know, they had told us, you know, don't, don't throw the ball to fans. Don't do anything. And of course, foul ball down the third baseline, picks it up right into the stands. And you could just oh, see yeah. the look in his face. He was like, Oh man. I can't. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. That, that was fun. Yeah, it's something I'll never forget. Did you play uh, in the old Rosenblatt too? I did. We were there in 08 and 09, and then we missed out in so, 2010. Okay, so talk, what, what was the difference between the two atmospheres? Obviously, one's a new stadium, new dugouts, plenty of room, big league setting. The other one was really a minor league setting. Probably yeah. a little more cramped, but was was the atmosphere different in the two stadiums? I'll tell you the biggest the biggest thing definitely was the atmosphere. Um, when you went into the old Rosenblatt, there was only one street. There's only one way to go in. And I remember first game going in, we were playing LSU, and there was I, I don't know, I'm gonna say five hundred, but could have been more, could have been less. Just LSU fans 
when we got off the bus, they lined up. That's how we had to go in the locker room. And, you know, it was just one street. Everything was on it. Uh, but, I mean, TD Ameritrade was awesome, too. I mean, they they set up vendors and everything outside like they did at the old Rosenblatt, but it was more spread out. So it wasn't so condensed. But, I mean, they were both awesome. What was it? What was the difference in pitching there? Yeah, you know, Watching games growing up and seeing the old Rosenblatt and just balls flying out of that place. Obviously, with the old bats, too. You know, you had the minus yeah. fives and you had the, the trampoline bats that went through there in the, in the early 2000s. Was there in the wind constantly looked like it was blowing out at Rosenblatt, and then you get to Ameritrade. I'm guessing you guys got a workout day where you add a Ameri- TD Ameritrade for the workout day, and you're seeing it, and the ball's just not going anywhere, especially with the, the new bats that come in play. It was definitely the year before. There was definitely a difference. The ball did not fly as well at TD Ameritrade. Um, I say that, but I also hold the record for the first ever home run given up in TD Ameritrade. So uh, <laughs> it, it definitely didn't fly as well. There weren't as many uh, long home runs, I guess you could say. I remember seeing some when I was at the, the old stadium that were just bombs, you know, and uh, you didn't that year that I was there, you didn't really see a whole lot of those. Well, that's, that's, you know, I'm, you know, learning, learning about you as we go. I know we went through a big process and, in terms of you know doing some background stuff on you and you know making sure you fit with what we were wanting to do and making sure that you're you're good around the high school age kids and good around and, and everything came back just glowing. Um, but even as much background as we've done, I'm still learning stuff. So that, that's pretty cool. But let's jump back into high school. <clears throat> Most of our audience, obviously, in that high school realm, um, you know, what were some of the differences as you were going at St. Stephen's? Obviously. You're very talented. You play. You played in the ACC. Played several years in professional baseball. You have talent, but you show up as a freshman. Was there anticipation that you were going to make varsity? Was it a complete shock? Was it? Was there? Were there nerves as you were going through that process of, of I guess, a tryout? Whether it was even in the fall or even in the spring, um, getting ready for your freshman year. Um, I, I wouldn't say. I don't, I don't know how to say it, but I. I expected to be on varsity. Um, I had already talked to the coaches. Um, yeah. At, at the time, when I was going into high school, I had already thrown in the 90s as a freshman. So, um, you know, I had talked to them. Uh, at the time, our team was not as good as it had been in the past. So uh, there was definitely an expectation to go to varsity. Uh, I stayed there for four years, and we, we got good or better every year that we played. And then we made a run in the playoffs my senior year. Um, but it was, uh, it was definitely different my freshman year, even though it was expected a lot of older guys. I hadn't really played with, you know, upperclassmen before. Um, so I kind of had to take a, not take a step back, but you know, those were the guys who were there, you know, had to, uh, kind of listen and learn from them and things like that. How did the way that they treated you affect the way you treated I'm guessing you probably had some younger guys when you were a junior and a senior. Mm-hmm. You know, were they were they putting their arm around you as a freshman, saying, "Hey, follow me," or was it, you know, what, what is what's the little kid doing here? And and it was just <laughs> even in the hallways of the school, it was separate. And then how did that affect the way you treated guys when you got to be a junior and senior? Uh, well, I was lucky. They all the upperclassmen when I went in as a freshman were great. Uh, I knew them. Uh, you know, I had met them before. They treated me great, and that definitely gave me a good uh, aspect of how to treat guys when I was a senior. 
um, because we did have some good players that actually came up as freshmen and sophomores. And uh, like I said, I was just lucky. You know, they they treated me great. They uh, didn't really try to give me uh, too much trouble or anything like that. Um, They were good dudes. And so, you know, I just I got lucky. And you talked about, you know, making a run in the playoffs. Was that your senior year? It was, yeah. That was our only year we made the playoffs. Um, okay. Well, that, I was going to say, how did the out of the first three years kind of set you up for that run? But because <clears throat> I, I have a longstanding dislike of the North Carolina system, um, uh, and and our listeners that have been following us know that you know our my sophomore year we made a run to the state semifinals and got to Hanover, who had five big leaguers on their club. And, you know, they rolled into NC State, which is where we played. The, it was a single elimination even through the, the semifinals at that point. They rolled in there with two buses of players. I mean, they, I think they had a small army in the dugouts at Doak. Um, you know, and we had a bad first inning, and we made it a game after that, but we lost, and they went on to win. And, you know, Trot Nixon and Fletcher Bates and, you know, the third baseman, I forget his name, but he, you know, set the national hitting record for consecutive games and batting average and home runs in the game and home runs in the year. And they were loaded. You know, we turn around our junior year, we return everybody. They still had three big leaguers, but they had lost trot. So we're thinking we got a chance. We're ranked number one. They're ranked number one in the country. We're ranked number two in the country most of the year. And we get a team out of Fayetteville in the first round throwing a knuckleball guy. And he's walked like 16 hitters <laughs> per nine. And he threw 80% strikes against us throwing knuckleballs. And we, we skied – six or seven balls that had a chance to get out that didn't. And I think we lost two to one when our, our year is done. So I, I despise the single elimination system, especially when you look at South Carolina and you look at Georgia and they have the exact same number of teams and they get done in the exact same number of weeks as our system does. So, yeah. Do you remember that run and, and, and feel how, you know, cause it does, it gets, it gets kind of special as you get into, late May and even towards exams and you're still playing and nothing else at the school is going on. Everybody else is shut down. So it's really the only game in town. Do you remember that aspect of, of that happening? Oh, absolutely. Um, (coughs) We had talent every year I was there, but we never really put it together. And until junior year, we were better. Senior year is when uh, we put it all together. We had a couple of guys that went D one, uh, Brian lit one, ended up going to Duke. Jason McEachern was a draft pick with the Rays. Um, you know, so we had we had some talent and we, we kind of rolled through everybody all year. And then first two rounds of the playoffs, you know, we I think we won each game by a significant amount of runs. Uh, maybe we might have 10 run each team. And then third round, we went into RS Central and ran up against a good team. But they had uh, Ryan Airwood. He went to App State, mm-hmm. ended up getting drafted by the Rockies. I played with him when I was with the I Rockies. He's a great too. guy, one of my good friends. Yep. Yeah, and he uh, he shut us down. I mean, it was just one of those things. We had one bad inning. Uh, we went out in the first inning and scored against him. We were up one nothing, and uh, I think we got to the third or fourth inning and a couple of errors. Next thing you know, it's eight to one. You know, I think they had yep. one or two hits that inning. That's it. And so our season kind of got dictated by that one inning well there's there's you know a couple of things that we've we've talked about in the past and i bring up with the kids at the events all the time is when when you're playing with guys you enjoy playing with you will remember details about your seasons 20 and 30 years later 
I can still walk you through how we lost New Hanover at, Duke, at, at, at NC State. I can still walk you through how we lost to Fayetteville Bird. And, it, you know, and I can still walk my senior year. We made a little bit of a run. We weren't supposed to. But I can still walk you through those because I enjoyed playing with those guys so much and I enjoyed being on those teams so much. So it, it kind of lends itself to that, that you're, you're flashing back into it. Now you can probably see the errors happening. You can see the, a dribble hit here that if we just make a play on, we get out of the inning. Um, and I, I think that's – it's hard to impart on players going through it right now. But that, that sense of joy, even even flashing back to a loss, that sense of joy of being around those guys is something that, you know, you'll get in college, but I think is even different in high school because some of these guys you've been playing with for 14 years. You know, yeah. T-ball at five years old and all of a sudden, you know, you know so you're, we all have those pictures. You know, you got your arm around a, 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 a t- in your T-ball uniform and then the seniors, you got your arm around the same guy. So... Yeah, I always think that's that's a neat little deal that comes out of you know what we're what we're privileged to be around. Absolutely, um, yeah. That's and and you say that that's the biggest thing from that year when when we made our run in the playoffs was the camaraderie, the 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 team. You know, we no year before that, it, you know, we would go to either my house or someone else's house before a, a seven o'clock game when we got out of school. And, you know, we'd, we'd cook food, hang out, and then we'd all show up at the same time. You know, we never did that before that year, but everyone enjoyed hanging out with each other. We were all friends. You know, we hung out outside of baseball, and I think that that, uh, that helped us a lot that year. And let's let's take it the other end of what's happening in the high school. And, you know, because you, you – know, I, I grew up in an era, and I graduated in 95. Travel baseball was just starting. We, you know, but a lot of a lot of the people that were in our area are still playing Legion and still and and rightfully so. Um, but the travel ball stuff was extremely select. You didn't go out and find a team. The teams came out and found you. You know, fast forward to your era. You're kind of transitioning out of that to now. Most people are probably playing travel ball, but you still have super select groups. And I think you played with the dirt bags and Andy, right? Yes. Yep. And so, you know, how did how did that come about, and how many years did you play with them? So, actually, I started uh, when I was eleven. I did started travel ball with the Catawba Valley Storm, and uh, then the next year, <laughs> we were playing in some tournament, and a guy out of Georgia saw us play, and he recruited me, like you said, you know, they would come find you. He recruited me to play on his team for that year. And they were out of like the East Cobb area. So I played with him the next year. And then I played at East Cobb for a few years after that. Ended up playing on the, the East Cobb Astros with the owner, Gary Baldwin. Uh, played with some great dudes. Jason Habler was on that team. You know, a couple other guys, Hunter Morris. And then the year after that, I moved closer to home instead of being in Atlanta. And I started playing with Andy and uh, that was probably my, my funnest time was playing with the dirtbags. Love the way they play baseball, you know, love the, the attitude, the atmosphere, you know, AP's awesome. And uh, you know, played with some great guys on that team too. We had a lot of talent. All right. A little technical difficulties and we're going to slice this thing together. So you may not even realize this is what we're going on, but I can, I bet you see that Patrick's pictures change a little bit, but we're going to keep this thing rolling and start talking a little bit about your transition into college. Uh, you know, 
the that transition of college coaches really starting to go after freshmen and sophomores, higher level power five type programs, I think was a little bit after you. So did the recruiting process really kind of pick up? Was it your junior year, your senior year? And how did you go about that process? Yeah. So I got, I mean, I had had some interest and things like that when I was an underclassman, but for me, it was really my junior year. Um, junior high school season, they came, they recruited me, you know, started talking to me. I did get a few offers, um, but I didn't really get any, uh, like I didn't get flooded with offers or bigger offers until my junior summer. I went to a, uh, a big tournament, did really well. And then the very next day I started getting interest from tons of schools and, started getting some offers that I was interested in and things like that. Um, but it was definitely my junior summer is when it started. I mean, like you said, though, you see it now, eighth graders, freshmen, they're getting offers and, and, uh, committing early, but, uh, no, it was nothing like that when I played, it was it junior, junior summer for me is when it really started. Yeah. And the NCAA has come in and kind of overhauled that a little bit now and really did basically cut off communication until you get into your junior year. So, um, it's it's changed in the last two years. I'm sure it's going to change again because you still got to deal with the transfer portal now. But, um, you know, that was kind of that, that heyday. You actually got a chance to go see a guy play three or four times. You got a chance to – because I remember, I remember going and watching you in, in high school and then trying to travel and, and obviously check on you but checking on some of your other teammates. And you felt like you had a pretty good feel for who guys were. And the transfer process wasn't as – you still had guys transferring because you still had schools that were over-recruiting a little bit. But it wasn't this mass haul of players every every year because we felt like we had a pretty good feel for who our freshmen were. We'd seen them play four, five, six, 15, 20 times over the course of a couple of years. Right. So, you know, with you you showing up, I'm you know, Chapel Hill had a pretty good feel. Here's what we're getting. Right hander with arm strength that can spin a breaking ball. You know, pitchability, he's in the zone, but we still gotta learn some pitchability and learn some things like that. He's got a chance to get out as a freshman in the bullpen just because he, he's got arm strength he can spin it. The rest of the stuff will develop and he'll he'll kind of turn has a chance to turn into a starter for us. And that was kind of the book. I actually, you know, still have some of my scouting scouting reports from back then a little bit. Not 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 everything I would like to have. I would have wished I would have kept some a little a few yeah. more things, but you know, those types of things, you know, and trying to project guys out. And then it got into I saw a number, we're making an offer. He touched 91, here's the offer. I don't know what he can do. He, right. he had a good day. And, and so it changed. Um, obviously, you know, a, a very good career at Chapel Hill, three trips to Omaha, um, you know, that, that probably speaks to itself. But then it lends itself to getting a chance to go out and play professionally. Um, you know, talk about that transition a little bit from college baseball to professional baseball and um, not just from a standpoint of the hitters are better and, and travel and playing every day, but from a standpoint of, you know, trying to take care of yourself and, and are you really on a team or is it more individual based in the minors? Uh, it, it was hard. Um, you know, I, I got drafted as a senior, my junior year, I got hurt in the uh, regionals. And so I missed out on the draft that year. Um, so I went from North Carolina where we're taking care of anything you need, you know, state of the art, everything, uh, meal plans, you know, it's all there for you, all handed out. You know, if it's over a certain amount of hours, we're flying. 
staying in nice hotels. The buses are nice. You get your own seats. Everything's spread out. And I ended up in uh, Casper, Wyoming my first year uh, in the middle of nowhere, taking 14-hour bus trips, eating when you can, uh, you know, trying to find a gym when you can, sleep when you can, you know, and it, it was tough. I mean, I, I thought going from high school to college was hard about learning time management and how to, you know, make sure you study, make sure you, you know, get done what you need to, sleep when you can, get to practice, you know, figuring that out. And then it was the, the process was all over again. Uh, you know, you're, you're competing every day. Everyone wants your job. Everyone's trying to move up. Uh, you know, there is a goal to win games, but at the same time, everyone's goal is to make the big leagues. You know, it, it's not as much of a team atmosphere as you would like it to be, like in college. And that was one of the things that I miss the most uh, about it. I, I made some great friends, though. I mean, I, I still talk to tons of guys I played with in pro ball. Um, and it, it was just, it was definitely a transition for sure. You know, like I said, I went from the, the top of everything, getting treated a certain way to, you know, not going to say the bottom, but you had to kind of figure it out for yourself. You know, no one right. was going to hold your hand. They weren't going to make sure that you, you went to the gym. It was, oh, you missed the gym two days. Well, we're going to, we're going to cut that out of your check, you know, or whatever it is. Um, so it was on you, you had to grow up and you had to grow up fast. Um, and that was hard, uh, but it, it was good. I learned a lot of things from it and it, it helped me a lot. Um, you know, cause I, I did end up getting, I got released with my first team I was with and I ended up having to go play indie ball. And, uh, okay. that, that was an experience. You know, I thought, you know, I, I didn't know anything about it. And then first time I went and played, you know, I was thinking, you know, like some lower level type of baseball. I was completely wrong. You know, I had several former big leaguers on my team. You know, everyone was, was working harder than when I was in the uh, when I was in the minor leagues and uh, organized ball, you know, because they wanted to get back. Um, and then so after that, I I did end up getting picked back up. I played some winter ball. Uh, was with the Pirates not very long. I got Rule Five to the Marlins, and then that's where I spent the rest of my uh, organized career in the minor leagues. Well, you got a chance to play internationally too. Where all did you play there? Where's that at? Oh, internationally. I played, uh, so 2015, I played in Venezuela in winter ball. And then after I got with the Marlins, I spent three winters in the Dominican Republic playing for the Gigantes. And uh, I spent two summers in Mexico playing in Mexico City. And I love it. it that international baseball was a ton of fun. That's I, I always like guys that have done that. It's you know, I don't know the whole lot of guys from America are traveling to Venezuela right now. Obviously, no. I'm getting that experience. And, um, you know, we talked to one of the guys that helps us at our events, Joe Machieski. His son played for me at Charlotte. And Josh is the Yankees organization. He went uh, – where did, where did he say he went? He went to Caracas, which is one of the teams in the capital. Yes. And, and so it was one of those deals, you know, the first concern immediately was safety. And, mm -hmm. you know, they, he was kind of going through and you guys were kind of talking about some of the rules that were in place of, hey, if these <laughs> things happen, you got to do X, Y or Z. Otherwise, you may get cheap shotted or something may happen. So, you know, cross your T's and dot your I's, know what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. That's the first meeting when you get there. <laughs> that is the first meeting. But it, it's, you know, the, the baseball is great, though. The baseball, it, it's a different different type of baseball they're very very passionate the fans love it the players are passionate and everyone plays you know at a different level and uh, it, it helped me with my career I think just seeing it from the other side 
and it gave me a different aspect of it. And, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed it. That's why I went back and kept playing. And, you know, it was it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Let's dive into some of the events we saw this weekend. And this is your first chance. You've worked some of our events in the past, um, you know, throwing BP and being a guy, you know, is kind of doing some grunt work for us and things of that sort. But first time being one of the, the prep baseball guys and, and really being able to interact with the players from that standpoint, um, you know, overall impressions of the two events. I mean, was it, was it hectic? Was it stressful? Was it um, just an easy transition? They just ran so smoothly in your head. What'd you think? <laughs> not, I think it went well. Uh, not as, not as hectic as I thought it was going to be first time trying to, you know, how to set everything up, make sure everything runs the right way, figure things out. You know, obviously had some good people there to help me. And uh, it, it actually, it, it went, it went well. I was able to, you know, take the data, you know, do the things we need to do and still pay attention to the players at the same time. Uh, it'll definitely get easier. Um, you know, when we have, a larger event, it might be a little different, but I think by that time I'll have a handle on it. And, uh, you know, it yeah, went well. I think it, it went well. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. It's coming for Saturday. So, <laughs> right. No, it's it's always interesting. You know, we, we talk to players afterwards. And, our, you know, ideally what we're trying to do with the players is we're trying to keep the players moving. You know, they don't, we don't need them in a bread line. We don't need them just hanging out for an hour between ground balls. Right. And so, but for our staff, the staff's not experiencing what the players are experiencing because we'll bring the players in in stages. And so I think what the players sometimes see because we've done these and we, we, we do have a system involved and a system in place is they see the top half of the water with the duck that's just floating across it. What they don't see is our freaking legs underneath doing right. this and you know, <laughs> doing every rich way, trying to figure out what's coming next. Uh, but I think that's the beauty of the events is, is it puts the players in a position where they can have a chance to perform at a high level stay loose, stay active, and also kind of a calming presence around them while we also know, hey, we've got to be out of this building at four and we've got to, BP's got to go. You know, we, we have one issue with track man over at on deck and obviously we didn't have a a, a time limited on deck on Sunday but uh, for the Charlotte preseason ID, but track man, we had to reboot after about eight swings. And so, you know, you and I are frenzied trying to get that stuff done. The kids are... The kids are just sitting there. They're talking to each other. Hey, what's, how are you guys going to be this spring? It was a, it was a three minute delay that on our end, we're looking at going, okay, now we got to go. And on their end, it was just, a, it was a chance for them to catch their breath. Cause we, yeah, it was just a breather. Yeah, it was, I was, I'm glad you were there for that. Cause I didn't want to have to handle <laughs> that when that happened. I haven't had to call. I haven't had to call support a whole lot. Um, and then the guy got on the phone and goes, yeah, just turn it off and on. You know, which is the typical, uh, you know, the computer, the computer support people. If you're in a business office, you call them. The, the first thing they say, have you tried rebooting it? You know, just tell me, tell me what the fix is. What rebooting <laughs> it work. So uh, let's start with Burlington and, and just going through some of the numbers here. And let's, we'll start with the pitchers. Um, and really for our preseason IDs, we sometimes don't know what we're getting because the, the roster, it's a wide open event. You know, you can have seniors, you can have eighth graders. You know, we don't know what the talent level is going to be. A lot of these players we're seeing for the first time. Um, but you start looking at some of the velocity and arm strength we saw, and again, it's it's January. They're still building into that process. Um, right. 
you know, a couple names for me, Garrett Bird, Hayden Phones, um, Luke Haltom, Preston Smith. I thought Andrew Helfen threw, threw the ball really well. You know, those are guys that we haven't necessarily typically seen at preseason IDs. And right out of the shoot, bang, you know, we're, we're getting a glimpse at players that have a chance to, you know, maybe play play in our, our uh, top prospect games, top underclass games, border battle. And yeah. so I was, I was impressed that that type of talent was there um, in Burlington. Yeah, I, I liked Bird. Uh, I know he was a catcher also, but I know when he hopped up yep. on the mound, I was sitting back there with Zach, and we were kind of messing with the track man to get it set up, and then he threw his first warm-up, and we both looked up like, whoa, you know, that – that uh, had some heat to it, and it um, you know he spun his change up well too. Um, I, I liked him. Also, Phones, he was good. He had a great arm. Uh, you know, there were several guys there that could uh, could spin the ball pretty well too. Yeah, Phones fastball spun up to twenty five hundred. Um, the breaking ball on Health, and I think was the the top spin there. Uh, I pull it up. Yeah, Helfen's breaking ball spun up to twenty seven hundred. Luke Halton's breaking ball spun up to 2,600. Phone's breaking ball was up close to 2,600. So, you know, not just with the velocity, you know, and a lot of these guys were throwing strikes, which in January indoors, you know, in a place a lot of these guys haven't been, you don't know what you're going to get into. And I I think that we were at Triad Baseball Academy. Nick Black runs it, former coach at Guilford College. Um, And I think the setup of the building and those guys having room to get loose having the ability to move their bodies and, and get to a, a kind of a, a lather and a sweat and then throw the bullpen, I, I think relax them. And, and oh. you, you know, you, you've pitched at high, high level four. Being in an uncomfortable situation where you can't get through your routine affects what's going to happen on the mound. But I felt like that the, the Triad Baseball Academy, that space in there was just perfect. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, they, they definitely had plenty of room to get ready and. You know, like you said, if you if you can't go through your routine, anything gets thrown off. Pitchers, us being creatures of habit, players, you know, it kind of affects you. They did a great job. They had plenty of space, and you know, I think I think that helped them a lot. You know, because they they did throw a lot of strikes in that event down at Burlington. And sometimes you see guys when they know the radar's back there, it's gonna be put on. They're kind of getting out of out of themselves and doing more than they need to. But they they did a great job. Let's- Kind of switch over. We're talk, I'm looking at some of the uh, athletic testing with Swift. You know, we had uh, three, really four jump at the 30 inch height. So vertical jump, anything over 30 kind of stands out with, with what we've seen at these events with the jump mat that we use. Um, you know, Hayden Phones was one of the pitchers that was up there. Uh, and then we had three position players, you know, right in that 29.5 or higher. Uh, and you start looking at how that correlates. You know, uh, two of those guys are below four seconds in their 30. The other two were just below four four one zero. So, you know, it, it's kind of translating, you know, b- the ability to get to top end speed, the ability to be explosive off the ground. Um, you know, and for Hayden, the guy that's got a chance to spin the ball, he's probably putting some ground force in, into what he's doing as he's starting to leverage himself down the line to get to the to the uh, to the plate. Uh uh, any of the position players, hitters that kind of stood out as we were going through? I know you were, you were running blast and kind of head down with that, trying to get used to it. But I think there were a couple guys that their BP made you take notice because it was loud. Yeah, there was a, there was a definitely a few guys. Like you said, I, I didn't get to watch as much as I wanted to. It was first time doing the blast. Uh, I had a couple issues with it. Um, there were definitely a few times that, you know, a guy took a swing while I was putting the cap on and I looked up and I was like, you know, whoa, that, you know, that was hit hard that, you know, that had a different sound to it than, than, uh, 
than what I've been hearing all day. Um, I'm trying to you pull up the blast Bird, You know, behind the plate and on the bump, Bird led all, all exit velocities at 97.9. But I, I think the number I always kind of look at is, okay, where is the max exit, but then where is the average exit? How many times are you right. really getting on the barrel, especially in BP, especially with Borowski throwing, because he's going to be right there. He's going to figure yeah. out where you like it. He's got a chance to kind of groove it. And, you know, Bird, Gavin Jackson was 96.3, but also carried almost a 90-mile-an-hour uh, average. You know, Hayden Fung swung the bat well. Preston Smith swung the bat well. Some, some names here. That Hudson Tuttle was one of our guys that, that had a, a, a good vertical jump. That translated again to, to some explosiveness with the bat. He's only a 27 um, out of out of Reagan. He was the yeah, he was the catcher that threw the ball really well too. Right. Um, so Hudson Tuttle 2027 20, out of the crouch was 79 miles an hour. Um, and again, the catchers in this event, it, it, it was a great space for everything. The catchers had the full 127 feet to throw. The only thing we warned them about was they didn't have netting across the roof. And so we were worried about hitting a sprinkler head, hitting a camera. And we asked those guys, hey, we're going to build from the ground up. And trying to get them comfortable took a while. I, I felt like our, our pop times we got were really solid. Um, you know, but those guys were willing to work with us. And No, yeah, they, you know, they did a good job with that. As a group yeah, they did a good job with that. They, they made some good throws in the, in the surroundings that they had with the, the ceiling and stuff. They were on the money. We transitioned on Sunday, so that was Saturday's ID. Sunday's ID, we're in Charlotte. It's a home game for me. For me. It's basically a home game for you. Um, you know, right down the road, a little lot, lot closer than going to Burlington. Um, and Jason Hill, who runs on deck, has been a friend of mine since I moved to Charlotte, and I got a chance to coach with him at his alma mater at Charlotte. Beautiful facility that opened up, allowed us, again, a lot of space to move these guys around, a lot of space to let them get loose and to stretch their arms. Um, and again, we, we'll, we'll start with the pitchers because that's what we started with on that day. Um, you know, we had some guys show up and throw really, really well. Yeah, uh, we did. Uh, Luke Snell threw it well. He was up to almost 86. Um, spun the ball well. He was around the zone. It had movement on his ball. Uh, uh, Morgan Jones. He's a, he's a 2026 too. And I got. I'm looking at his profile now. I screwed his picture up, so I got to redo his picture. <laughs> I'm going through some of these looking. I'm going, oh, that wasn't good. But, yeah, Snell jumped out. Uh, Viverica could spin the ball a little bit. Yeah, Morgan, Morgan Jones could spin it. It, that, it was good. You know, it was, it was really six guys that threw, but it got, it got the day off to a good start, you know, because even with the way they were set up, there were cameras in, in the workout facility, so the lobby is sectioned off. The lobby had the Chiefs game on, so my wife was happy. Um, and then everybody that was coming in for the, the infielder outfielder section could watch the Chiefs game. But right next to it was they had the, the cameras on all the guys that were working out through the bullpens. And and I think that kind of gives those guys a little bit of a calming relaxation when they're starting to see some of those guys performing well at that point. We transitioned to the hitters, and there was there were a couple of hitters that stood out as well. We got a chance to open up the big cage. Let the ball fly a little bit. Anybody that stood out to you from a standpoint of, of being in a box? Uh, well, just hitting wise, uh, Brady Marshall. You know, he had the top exit below. He was up to almost ninety seven. Uh, he, he you know, average around eighty eight. He swung it well. Yeah, um, Morgan Jones, same thing. Athlete. Uh, he was ninety five. Average around eighty nine with his exit below. Um, you know, with with that space, I think 
having the open cage, it, they did a good job that day. They could kind of see the ball travel. Uh, a lot of guys swung it well. Uh, Jackson Taplin, 27. You know, he had a 92 exit velo. Um, you know, there, there, were, there were some guys there um, that, uh, that did well. I was impressed too. It wasn't just it wasn't just Max Efferty. Can I get the barrel to it? There, there was some looseness. There was there was length through the front, not through the back. They were flat. They weren't trying to do too much with the ball. Um, you know, there were some guys that had some you know what I like to call it, they were hitterish tendencies. Things mm-hmm. that I think will carry over from BP into live game action and give them a chance. You know, you look at some of the, the track men numbers and compare them with the blast numbers. Um, you know, and you're right. You know, the first guy that kind of stood out was Brady Marshall, and there's a reason he's committed at this point. And <clears throat> really physical lower half, really physical forearms. Um, you know, I think his first round he was a little bit jumpy, but his second round, I, I remember making the comment to him. I think his last six swings went something like 96, 97, 94, 92, 96, 95. I mean, it was just bang, 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 bang. Balls just rocketing through uh, the cages and. You know, it's it's one of those things too that we have to take into account. It's it's still early, it's still January, um, and then they're facing a guy that most of these guys, I think maybe only two of these guys, have ever taken BP off of before with Jay Hill, and so it does. It can take three or four swings. It can take a round before we're we're really able to say, okay, you know, what's that swing really doing? And I thought Brady, I thought Nolan Winnick, uh, Will Lavender. Uh, Wyatt Spencer, I thought their second rounds were extremely impressive in the way that they kind of relaxed themselves, got back to some basics, and really started to drive the baseball and, and, and give us a chance to put a good evaluation on them. Yeah, I, I would say the second round for most guys was a lot better. I think they tried to do a little too much in the first. They got relaxed, got used to the, to the BP being thrown to them, and then they were able to show what they could do. We're going to start rolling out numbers on both of those events. We're filming this on Tuesday. I'm trying to post on Tuesday. Uh, we'll see if that works. But Tuesday night, we're going to start rolling out statistics and start rolling, doing some of the data dive into this. Uh, quick hitters will come out this week. Uh, superlatives, hopefully later this week. Really trying to dive into some of the things we saw. But there's going to be stories running off these two events over the next 5, 10 13, 13 weekdays, I think. So lots of information still to get into. But we transition now. It's a big weekend for prep baseball. We've got our preseason All-States. We're going to be in Greenville, North Carolina, with close to 100 players on Saturday. We're going to be in just outside of Hickory, your your, your stomping grounds. Right. We're in Maiden, North Carolina on Sunday. Um, and, again, that one's going to be close to 70 players. And so two great events there, high-level players on the roster, excited to see those. And then from a national standpoint, we have our Super 60. So you're a, a draft, the, the biggest winner draft combine event uh, in the country is happening in Chicago, and there's going to be three players from North Carolina there. So we'll sit back and see as much information and get as much information out of Greenville and, and Maiden as we can, and then we'll be able to get updated from Chicago and how our guys did there. And then we'll start compiling all that data and spitting out all that information the next week and then do it again one more week for us. So uh, it's an exciting time of year. We're kind of throwing you into the fire. Just, you know, hey, congratulations. Here's a job. Let's, let's hit the road <laughs> running. Um, but uh, anything with these preseason all-states that kind of jumps out as you're starting to go through some of the rosters and, and look at some of the players that are, that are there that you're kind of excited about? 
I just uh, I think I'm excited to see. I know quite a few of the guys on the roster, especially on the western side, um, and just excited to see where they where they've gotten to this winter. You know, like what kind of work they've put in. You know, because I I know them beforehand, or you know, I see their numbers from last year. Just you know, see what kind of work they've put in, where they're at at this point in the year. I know it is early in the year, but you know, you can always tell when guys have been been working at things. So I think for me, that's uh, that's what I'm excited to see is to see where the, some of these guys have gotten to. He's Patrick Johnson. I'm Brandon Hall. This has been the Prep Baseball Podcast of North Carolina. We're excited to see a lot of baseball here in the upcoming weeks. We'll talk to you guys soon.